Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Have you in your life ever prayed and prayed and prayed for something for it not to come through? And you really prayed. You spent time, energy, you put it on Facebook, you asked everyone you know, I I need you to pray for me, I need you to pray for this. And you pray and you pray and you pray. And all it seems that like happening is that God is absolutely not listening to you. He listens to everybody else, it feels, during this time. You see other people talking about how God's answering prayer. You may actually have seen God answer prayer in your life before, but for whatever reason right now at this time that you are so fervently praying for, God is absolutely silent. Now maybe in your story, it gets a little darker than this because you've prayed and asked and prayed and asked and prayed and asked. And maybe you have people in your life that turn and say, see, I told you God isn't real. See, I told you that your prayer is not going to go anywhere. See, God doesn't listen to us. He doesn't hear you at all. In fact, all you're doing is some mantra to try to feel better about yourself so that by speaking to some nothingness, you somehow feel that you're in control of your situation. Maybe your story is one of just tears. That as you sat and wept and prayed, and it felt like God wasn't listening to you, you just wept and said, God, why aren't you listening to me? If you have been a believer of any time of prayer, or you have gone to prayer, even maybe you didn't even know who God was yet, but you said, I'm going to pray to somebody or something or whatever your story is, and you pray to not have an answer, something inside of you starts to really question if this is legit. I know this is real because this is my story too. That I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and God didn't answer. In 2012, this happened to my family. In 2012, we were living in Racine at the time and we had been in a church for a wonderful church for a long time. Amazing church, loved it. But one of the things I've been praying so fervently for was that our young children were now put into the Racine School District. And the Racine School District uh, public schools are not that great. I know that because I was volunteering and I was serving and helping out in the middle schools and I was helping out in the high schools. Um, The schools were rough. One of our public high schools literally has a jail cell in it. A jail cell with bars because of how many fights and how much violence there was every day. We would have students who would come, who went to these schools, and they would explain that their story would be that they walked from class to class with their head down, not to make eye contact, not to bump into anybody, so that there could be no chance that someone would start a fight with them, but yet someone still always seemed to be starting a fight or threatening them. It was an unsafe, scary environment, and I prayed. God, please get my kids out of these schools. Now, to stay in Racine, the options were, there's lots of options. We, can, we could homeschool our, our children, which wasn't an option for us at that time. Or we could put them into private schools. 
And I don't, private schools were definitely not an option at that time because we didn't have the finances to do it. So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. In 2012, God answered the prayer and said, yes. Opportunity, opportunity came for us to take a job, for me to take a job in Germantown. So I'm like, I, I, didn't, I grew up in Milwaukee, but I didn't know what Germantown was. I knew brown deer and the rest was just farmland to me. So I, I get into Google and I, I find out Germantown and I start to research. And I'm like, oh my word, these are some of the best schools in the entire state. Washington County has amazing schools. So if you ever complain about your public school, let me just tell you, it ain't Racine. So I am just blown away by this opportunity that was there for our kids. So it was an answer to prayer. I'm like, this is amazing. God has said yes. And so I, I accept my wife and I say, hey, we're going to take this job. We're going to go there. We're going to move. This is going to put our kids in amazing schools, a totally different environment. This is such an answer to prayer. And so we take this job and something happens in the Racine economy where houses weren't selling. So we could not sell our house. And our house was a 1918 bungalow. It wasn't anything fantastic, but we had invested a lot of money into our home. So we didn't just want to dump it. This is all that we had as our first home. And so we were trying to sell our home, but then we couldn't sell our home. The weird thing about this whole story as it progresses, as we start to look at homes in Washington County, and if you've lived here in this area for any certain time, you know that homes have always had a high value in this area. So here in Racine, we can't sell our home. Here in Washington County, we're looking for anything. The market was really high for whatever reason here during that time. And we couldn't find a home, couldn't find apartments, couldn't find condos. As soon as we'd have something we'd come to look at, by the time my wife got from Racine up here, which is about an hour drive, hour 15 drive, there's already four to five offers on the home. And so I commuted from Racine to Germantown for one year. For one year, I got into my car and I drove from Racine. My kids are still in the same schools because uh, they were in school there. We couldn't move. I can't move and I'm driving. And I'm driving there an hour something and back. Now, this is for all of you uh, who remember our economy at that time. This is the most awesome part of the story. This is when gas was over $4 a gallon. So gas is now over $4 a gallon. I'm driving to work every day there, hour 15, hour back 15. But let's just add something more awesome that I didn't know is how everything gets congested at the Mayfair Exchange. So now I'm in stop dead traffic driving. So now this hour 15 drive now becomes close to two hours of driving for an entire year. And my lowest point came when I was sitting in my car and I talked to my wife and she was crying because another catastrophe had happened, of course, because she's at home trying to take care of littles. She has to have our house ready for anybody to walk in anytime. If you ever sold a house, you know, that there's tension there, right? And you've got kids with toys and people could come anytime. And so she was upset and I was sitting in a car and I'm driving and I'm stopped dead traffic right around North Avenue, we all love it, and a truck pulls up next to me, my 19, I have a 1997 Honda Accord, and a truck pulls up next to me. My 1997 Honda Accord was blessed to not have air conditioning. So it's 97 degrees out that day. I have my windows rolled down, this truck pulls up, his exhaust port goes right into my car, and it's just pumping diesel 
into my car, and I lost my mind. I lost it. Absolutely lost it. I have never anger, cry, hot tear prayer so much in my life as I'm like, why aren't you answering us? You told us to come up here. You answered our prayer. You said we'd have perfect schools. You said this thing. You set this up for us. You got this job. God, why can't we sell our stupid house? You've got to be kidding me right now. I'm doing everything right. I work for you. Don't I get an advantage, a discount, a 10%, something? I work for you. What is the process here? Don't I have a fast lane to prayer that other people don't have? Can't I pray and can I skip the line of everybody else so that you hear me? I'm sitting here, God, literally dying from this diesel fuel. It's 97 degrees out. My wife is crying. We can't sell our house. Maybe you can relate. I just lost it. I was at this point of desperation of all of my life felt like absolute pure chaos. And all I was doing was getting more and more angry because nothing was making sense. The the funny part of this whole story and and where the story starts to take a turn is that we had tons of people come through our house and no one put an offer down because there's a million homes out there all lowballing because the housing market was in the absolute cellar. So all these people are coming. I'm like, you know what? I think we made a mistake. I don't think we're supposed to come. Maybe we misheard God. Maybe God didn't say yes. Maybe God doesn't want what we did. Maybe. And you start to second guess everything. And so here I am and where it really takes a turn is why would you give me this opportunity yet we're still stuck in our sin? And that's where my prayer was. Why would you do this to me? Why would you do this to us? Why aren't you listening? Now I can tell the story now with with a smile and a joke because it's over. But when you are in that tension point and you are working 10-hour days and then you're coming home to a wife who's so frustrated and she's exhausted and to the littles who haven't seen their dad and into the exhaustion of being in this commute and all these things are swirling around your head, it starts to build anger and frustration, irritation. I start to ask the question, do you even hear me, God? As the story progresses, a person comes and puts an offer on our house and they lowballed us. At the exact same time as all this is starting to happen, we're looking at homes. The first home that we saw that we really loved, we couldn't afford, the price of that house dropped. And we're looking for houses anywhere in this general area. And the only home that we could get to was one in Slinger, Wisconsin. I didn't know what Slinger was. I'm like, what is that? And so we, we see this home and we're like, oh my goodness, the price had dropped and our house was about to sell. And we had this other house on the, that we were looking at buying, but that fell through in Germantown. So that fell through. We're left with these two options. Will they buy and will, will they buy our house and will they accept our offer? And only in the timing in which God sets things up, our house gets an offer. And at the same time, our house that we're currently in comes up on the market we put in an offer with $1 over asking price. I put it on church letterhead. I said anything I could. Hey, may God bless you more. No, I didn't say that. But, you know, I'm a, I write, we write a letter. We're doing everything we can. God, would you please make this happen? God, make the pain stop. And in a fail swoop, boom, we got the house. We sold the house. End of story. 
But this is where things get a little bit tricky because there's a lot of other X factors that were in there. And this is the X factor where it implies for you. There is no Mosaic Church unless we didn't sell our house. There is no Mosaic Church if we would have sold our house sooner than a year. Just think about that. You're not sitting here. We don't know each other. I don't live in Slinger. There's a whole multiverse universe. This is some Marvel nerds out there. You know what I'm talking about because I love Marvel, right? This is a multiverse, whole nother reality that's going to happen. That if God had said yes to my prayer, then this is not happening. So now I go back to my car with the diesel pumping into my car where I'm miserable beyond belief. And if he had told me, Jason, hang tight because you're going to plant a church in about eight years, I would have started laughing and said, never in a million years. I quit. And I would have gone to work at Costco because I really like the free, uh, the food's great. I love Costco. I would have gone to work at Cabela's. I would have done something else. But God said, you're going to start a church. In fact, that church is going to cause more pain and be more struggle, but it will be good. Just trust me. I would have said, no way, God. So what God's no was perfect. Absolutely perfect. And in the midst of it, I didn't believe it. And now I sit here today and say, Mosaic Church was planted because God said no to my prayer. So maybe the problem that I have going into prayer and that so many of us go into prayer is that we get spoiled brat, stomp our feet angry when the good father says, I know what's better for you and it's no. And there may be our mind is going to say, but you don't understand the lineage and the line of what I see in front of me says that what you're doing, God, is going to mess everything up. So it was hard on my family, but hear what I'm saying, that no was good and hard is still good. We don't understand nor see everything as clearly as God does. And so when we dig into our passage today, I want to just lay this out for you in your story of prayer. Where is your story of prayer and when God says no? What is your response what is your, let's just say your spiritual big boy pants and big girl pants. That when God says no, do you get frustrated and stomp your feet? Or do you sit and say, I hear you, but I'm going to keep asking. And that's what we're going to dig into our passage today. We're in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And in this passage, we're back to our author, Paul, our Praying for Paul series. To catch you up, if you've been out for a little while, we've been exploring how Paul is praying in some really important pieces of our prayer life. If you are not engaging in a prayer life, I invite you into something that is very powerful. And the thing that I think why we struggle with prayer, or if we do, if we struggle, is because we don't quite understand nor grasp the power and the purpose of prayer. And the power and the purpose is so multifaceted, it goes beyond really what we can even explain but let me just say this, we get to pray. You've heard that a few weeks now. You get to pray. You get to talk to the God of the universe. You get to have the one who has made you hear you, and you get to have him say no to you sometimes. Like a good father, sometimes he's like, you don't know what you're asking, or you don't know what I have planned, or he's saying, yes. Sometimes he'll say, I love what, the way you're thinking, but just hold on for a while. And we're going to enter in today for Paul. Paul hears a big, fat no. A little backstory on Paul, if you, uh, again, are new to jumping into series. Paul 
was not a nice person. He was persecuting Christians. He was he seemed very full of himself. He's got this big agenda. He's going to squash this thing called Christianity. He, Jesus comes to him. Uh, he has an encounter with Jesus after Jesus had passed. So Jesus had died, rose again. He has an encounter with him. His whole life is flipped upside down. And now Paul's passion is the gospel. And his passion is letting other people know the power of God and through Jesus Christ. And so in this letter to the church in Corinth, he writes this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I have never heard any human utter that outside of what Paul just said. Because in our culture, strength is what wins. Strength is power. Control is power. Leadership is power. Having all the answers is power. I am powerful. And when I'm powerful, I don't need you because I don't need anything from everybody because I'm all powerful. And Paul takes this total flip reversal and says this, you know, God did something to me and allowed something here to happen that I don't like. There is this thing in my life, this thorn in my flesh that is tormenting me. And lots of people, first of all, go to, what was this thorn? Was it a literal thorn? Was it, you know, some thought maybe he's got some eyesight issues. Some theologians have thought he has epilepsy. Um, this past year, I was out sanding our sign and our mosaic sign. Uh, we had wood that we reused and our mosaic sign. Uh, I was sanding it and I, I went up on this sign and I had thorns, if you will. I had splinters into my finger. And being like a typical dude, I'm like, it's cool. I'll walk it off. And so I just kept doing my thing. Um, the next day, my finger, which are already huge and monstrous like Vienna sausages, uh, now is, comp I had no wrinkles in my skin because of how infected it was. I'm like, no big deal. I'll get some antibiotic. And so I went and got some antibiotic. And then antibiotic didn't help. And then I had to go to a hand surgeon and have it, literally have it removed surgically this big, huge, monstrous piece of wood. And I'm like, oh my word, how'd that even fit in my finger? But my hand hurt all the time. And this happened in March. This summer, in August, my finger hurt again, and I squeezed it, and another thorn popped out of my finger. Super gross. And my hand hurt all the time. And I literally thought of this verse. I'm like, God, is this my thorn in the flesh? And it's more like, no, you're just dumb for not sanding the wrong way. But my hand ached. I have not had a pain like that ever. In fact, the pain was so intense. By the time I had to go to surgery, my knuckle was so inflamed, I couldn't even move my hand. It was so painful. And so I had asked, God, what is going on with this hand? Kind of like this verse. He's like, no, I guess this is going to be in here for a while. Another one popped out. It was weird, but my story is this. God said no. God said no. 
I can understand the torment of not being able to use my hand, especially in a typing world and having this thing always wrapped up. But here Paul is saying, you know what? I, God has put something in my life so that I don't become conceited. Wow, what a huge thought. God has brought hardship. He's allowed this to happen so that I stay focused because humility is what's desired and what is necessary of his disciples. And so this is in my life and it torments me. But he says this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I don't know if you can relate with this, but when I get into a place of needing God and when I am struggling, I don't see my weaknesses strength. But then crazy things start to happen the more you actually walk with God and the more you take the journey of, let's be honest, my whole spiritual life and all of my life is about me. So therefore, God, you're really a genie to rub like a lamp to answer my prayers when I want. And when I don't get what I want, I get frustrated with you and then I don't want to talk to you is the typical spiritual response of many people. I tend to be a baby. I tend to want to, I'm like, I'm a dude, right? We're sick, we whine. We all do it, right? But I tend to do this to God. I'm like, God, why aren't you listening to me now? Where are you now? Why aren't you taking care of this now? I don't like this now. Do it now. And think of how arrogant that prayer is. That I think I can go and say, do it now. Paul says this, I've asked and I've asked. And when he's talking about three times I pleaded, it's an analogy of I'm asking over and over and over again. So I'm asking over and over, God, please stop this from happening. I don't like this in my life. And God has said, no, you need to be weak because I'm strong. And you just think about that for a few seconds when there is strength in weakness. When you're at your weakest point and you are starving, all of a sudden your food preferences go away, don't they? There are some really picky eaters in this church. I know because I've hung out with you. Super over-the-top picky eaters. You will say, oh, I don't eat those things or those things or those things. I only eat black beans if they come from a can and rinse three times. Like, what? Like, how would you survive in the wild? I don't get this. You know, I just eat to survive, but they're very, very, very finicky eaters. But when you are starving to death and you just want nutrients, it's amazing what you'll put in your mouth. Oh, I would never do that. You would if you're dying. And that weakness and desperation starts to push away all these things that we put into our life. And when it comes to brokenness in prayer, when you are absolutely broken, it's amazing how all your pride goes away, how all of your uh, issues that you've got as you get forced down onto your knees before God and say, God, I've got nothing. God, only you are going to have an answer for me. God, you've got to help me. Because when I'm weak is actually the point in which I start to engage the power of God because I admit that I need Him. If, if we're honest with ourselves, friends, don't we often go into situations relying on your strength, your education, your history, your experiences, your background, the things you've done well, maybe the lessons you've learned from things that you haven't, 
You take your story and you enter into situations saying, I'm going to work my way through this because I have the tools necessary. But what if you don't have the tools? All of a sudden, your weakness becomes strength because now you say, God, I need your tools because you're smarter than me. You're my good father. I trust you. Abba, daddy, can you please listen to me? I need food. I will eat anything. Will you feed me? Amen. Now your weakness has become strength because you're actually going to the one that knows better. So when we ask this idea and we start to think about our prayer lives and start to think about how do you approach prayer? How do you approach prayer when there's tension that you don't like? Pain that you don't like? Sickness that you don't like? Death that you don't like? Not taking this lightly. Experienced one of the worst years of my life with this in 2021. What does your experience, where do you go? Are you praying and saying, God, I trust you. And even if you don't remove whatever I'm asking, even if you say no, I will worship you all the more because you are the Lord God Almighty. And where else am I going to go? I got nothing else. All of a sudden, you're on your knees worshiping. Or am I praying? I'm going to say this. I want you to drive this into your head. And something, if you're note takers, this is something to stick with. Am I praying and asking God for what I believe is best? Or am I praying and asking God to move for what he knows is best? Let me say this again, because this is noteworthy, tweet-worthy, Instagram-worthy, snap-worthy, or just talk-about-worthy. Not because it's from me, but this is from Paul. Am I praying to ask God for what I believe is best? Or am I praying, asking God to move for what he knows is best? Maybe God's not answering your prayers because your prayer is full of conceit, it's full of pride, and it's not even lining up with what Scripture says. God, you have to change all this for me right now because I hate the fact that we haven't sold our house and I don't trust you anymore. You said you're going to do this. You said you're going to do that. And I start barking orders at him. And like a good father, he doesn't smite me, which, you know, you know what smiting is? I said like the thumb, smite, 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 smite. Why? He could have just, I'm done with you, Jason, because I'm done with me. I'm irritating myself in these times. But I'm frustrated. God doesn't do that. He says, I love you. Just wait and listen. I love you. You're not going to like the answer, but it's good. I love you. You're not going to understand what I'm doing, but trust me. I love you. This is going to hurt, but I'm with you. That reframes our idea, friends, when we come to prayer. And it actually makes us put on our spiritual big boy and big girl pants. We have to stop acting so immature in our spiritual lives when it comes to the idea of prayer, expecting that God's a genie in a bottle to be rubbed as opposed to the God of the universe who is way smarter than you. I had an experience when I was a youth pastor those years back in Racine. I had a youth come up to me and, and she was just broken. She was in tears. She came up and, and said, Jason, I just, I cannot trust God anymore. And I said, what's, what's happening? What's going on in your life? What's, what happened? She said, my, my grandmother, she died this week. I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. Why would God do that to me? 
I said, what do you mean? Why would God take my grandmother from me? I loved her. She was part of my family. How could he do that to me? He obviously doesn't love me if he takes my grandmother from me. And I just consoled and loved her, and we were talking about it as a team afterwards. Just said, hey, you know, God is here. God does love you. Um, Honey, your grandma was old. Death comes for all of us. In fact, death comes whenever. It's part of life. And his story isn't about you, sweetheart. His story is bigger than you, and her going is bigger than what you see. It's a story of a life that started way before you when she told you those stories of growing up on the farm and told you those things, but all you're doing right now is focusing on you and how your story intersects with pain. And you now are pointing at God saying God's terrible because of your intersection with pain. And the truth of the matter, young one, is that because Jesus Christ came, death is defeated. And the truth of the story, young one, is the God that you are cursing right now provided a way for your grandmother to live forever. forever. And young one, if you would hear me, though death has come, it's not the final answer. In fact, death is just a pathway for something so much better. Young one, hear me. She is free from this world because of Jesus Christ. There is hope even in death. Young one, if you could hear me, there's something you don't understand here because you're only focused on yourself. And that is most of our prayer lives because we pray about focused on ourselves. From her perspective of 14 years old, she's only had 14 years on the earth, and so her perspective is so thin, so narrow, and I understand that. But understand this, friends. Isn't life so much bigger than just the two eyes that are in front of our face and our life that we exist in, that, that we are part of a story greater than ourselves, that our prayer lives are, are meant to go into this as a place for communing with the God of the universe and trusting that he hears and responds in ways even when we don't like it. Obviously, losing, losing a grandmother, losing a friend, losing anybody is unbelievably traumatic. But instead of turning against the God of the universe, here's our opportunity to worship because when we see it from an eternal perspective, there's so much more that we are missing. As I sat in my car, I couldn't see anything outside of the fact that I hated that moment with all of my heart. When I sat in my car and there is fumes pumping into it, a family that's broken, for what I felt were lies that were offered to me, like this was going to be the answer, and then I started to question that I make the wrong. All these things are swirling in my head. I say this to you humbly to say, my goodness, how quickly we can get turned around when things are hard. Now, I take the perspective with the best of my ability when things get hard to turn and say, God, even through this, you have been faithful, you will be faithful. I trusted you then, I trust you now. I didn't like that, I don't like this. But every single time, God, you've done something bigger than myself for your kingdom and your glory. Therefore, God, Forgive me for being such an arrogant young man. I used young man on purpose because my birthday is this week and I'm not a young man anymore. God, thank you so much for forgiving me and loving me. Forgive me because when I am weak, 
when I admit I can't solve the problems, when I admit I can't save my family, I can't save her grandmother, I can't save you. I can only point you to the one that can. When I am weak, I actually rely on the power of God, and now all of a sudden, I'm a superpower. Not because of me, but because of God working through me. Think of how your prayer life changes in that perspective. Think of how your life changes when you view affliction, pain, struggles differently. And I want to go to verse 10 because now we've explored this to the no. Look at what Paul says in verse 10. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Do you delight every time there's weakness in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties? I don't delight, I whine. I whine and I whine and I whine. I don't know why I had this automatic gut response to when things are hard, try to whine your way out of it, but it's somehow my DNA. I blame my mom and dad for it, I guess. I don't know. There's something in my DNA, right? Something in my inside of my makeup that says, let's get out of this uncomfortable situation. It's hot outside. Let's get to air conditioning. It's cold outside. Let's get to where it's warm. I always want the perfect condition the way I want it all the time. And when it's not, I complain. Paul says this. This is what it means to be a spiritually mature person to have a prayer life of power. I delight, delight in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. Because when I'm broken, that's when Jesus shows up. When I am broken, that's when God's power is shown. When I'm on my knees, when I'm broken, I've got nothing else except the, the tears that flow from me and open hands say, God, I don't understand. I hate what's going on. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I just simply say, God, you have to do something huge. Amen. Now, I don't know where your prayer life is today, and this, hopefully this series has been challenging to you as you're processing this, but here's our challenge this morning, friends. A prayer life like Paul says it is greater to open your heart to the will of God and say, God, you are all powerful, and I will ask of all these things, but if you say no, you are still God Almighty. And if you say yes, sweet. And if there's a like, just hold on for a while, I trust that there's a plan bigger than me, but I'm going to keep asking, and I'm going to keep asking, and I'm going to keep asking because that's what you've told me to do. And that's exactly what Paul did. So this morning as we wrap up, I'm going to lead us in a prayer like this for us as a church family. Each of our weeks we've been doing this, praying, ending this time together with praying like this. And something simple that you can apply to add to your prayer life even today, is change your prayer life from being a young child frustrated and angry when you don't get what you want to one that says, God, would you hear me? Because I know you're a good father and I trust you. Changing our prayer life into one that is daily and constant in asking, but also trusting the no, that the no is good. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. 
for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.